You're listening to the NASM CPT Podcast with Rick Ritchie, winner of the Share Care Emmy Award for Social Storytelling and the official podcast of the National Academy of Sports Medicine. Hey, y'all, and welcome to the NASM CPT Podcast. My name is Rick Ritchie, and today we're going to talk about scapular movements. Now, two scapular movements in particular, scapular upward and downward rotation, but I'm a big fan of etymology. So let's look up scapular, shall we? Learn a little bit more about that shoulder blade that we're going to be talking about. So scapula as a noun in anatomy, shoulder blade in the 1570s, modern Latin and late Latin, the word scapula meant the shoulder. And it probably came from scapulae, shoulder, shoulder blades. And it's possible that the original meaning uh, or the original concept came from the idea of spades or shovels on a notion of a similar shape. So that came from etymologyonline.com. And now we're going to talk a little bit about upward and downward rotation. Well, there are some other movements first. There is elevation of the scapula and depression. There's protraction and retraction. But we're going to spend a few minutes right now on first upward rotation. And this is the joint action, and it goes in tandem with either shoulder flexion as you raise the arm up over your head in front of you, or shoulder abduction as you move the arms away from the midline of the body in the frontal plane, like a jumping jack. And the arm in most people can go overhead 180 degrees. But we got to identify where that comes from. So about 120 degrees comes from the shoulder joint itself. So if the scapula is still, the scapula is not moving, then there's 120 degrees of movement in the shoulder joint. Well, then there's 60 degrees of scapular upward rotation. And that's where you take those inferior angles, the bottom portions of the scapula, and they start to rotate away from the spine up. That is scapular upward rotation. So if 60 degrees of scapular upward rotation and there's 120 degrees of shoulder abduction or shoulder flexion, whichever one, then that's going to equal 180 degrees. That's a two to one abduction to upward rotation ratio. And the muscles that upwardly rotate the scapula, let's talk about them. They're important. We got to get this figured out. Number one, the upper traps are an upward rotator of the scapula. The lower traps are an upward rotator of the scapula. But Rick, aren't those opposing muscles? Technically, not opposing muscles. They are the same muscle and the joint actions can oppose each other like upper traps can do elevation, lower traps can do depression, but they both work together in a force coupling to create upward rotation along with one other very important muscle that is often overlooked. And in many cases today, we see a lot of people saying, oh, you got to make sure you work this muscle and they'll give exercises to work this muscle. And this is the reason why. That muscle is the serratus or serratus anterior. And it is also an upward rotator of the scapula. You may also know that muscle because 
that muscle is important to help minimize the amount of scapular winging that's take that takes place in many people. And I had an episode on scapular winging not too long ago. So the upward rotators of the scapula, upper traps and lower traps, and the serratus anterior. And since these two bones, the shoulder, the humerus technically, so the scapulohumeral joint, and then we've got the thoracoscapular joint, they move in this coordinated movement, and that coordinated movement is called scapulohumeral rhythm. The movement that takes place, this two-to-one ratio of flexion or abduction going along with upward rotation of the scapula. All right. Uh, scapular humeral rhythm is important, and I will venture to say that the majority of non-traumatic shoulder issues, so somebody didn't bang into you, didn't fall down, you didn't bump into something. So in the majority of the non-traumatic shoulder issues, they're going to be due to scapular issues and not shoulder joint issues, even though the pain might be in the shoulder joint itself. So let's look at this as a for instance, right? So the shoulder abducts fully. It can do 120 degrees of abduction, but the upward rotation is only 50 degrees, not 60 in this particular scenario. Well, if you get that full 120 degrees and the, the scapula isn't continuing to rotate up, then what's happening is that there is, um, the scapula has a portion of the scapula uh, that it can bump into, all right? So this acromion process of the scapula, as you reach overhead, there's a muscle that threads between the humerus and underneath the acromion process, a very important muscle, one of the rotator cuff muscles. Which rotator cuff muscle? I'll venture this as a question that you can answer. Which rotator cuff muscle goes over the humeral head and under the acromion process. With limited space, that muscle can get squished, it can get pinched, it can potentially and eventually get damaged. And that muscle is the supraspinatus. So one thing that you may see in people that have limited upward rotation is that they'll get to a point and they can't upward rotate anymore. So in order to try to get the arms overhead, rather than continuing with upward rotation, you'll see them shrug. You'll see scapular elevation take place. So they reach the arms overhead and scapular elevation starts to take place to try to get the arm overhead. I have uh, a former client that I haven't seen in a while, but I remember him because he reached overhead. He had significant shoulder issues on one side, no pain on the significant shoulder issues on one side. The other side moved a lot better, but there was a lot more pain. Here's what I think happened. I think that one shoulder, the one with less movement, was so locked down that he couldn't even get the shoulder into a position to pinch the supraspinatus anymore. He'd raise it up and then he would shrug and the arm, the elbow would barely get above the shoulder. Now in the other arm, he did get the arm up higher, but there was pain associated with it. And I think that's because as he reached up, then he's limited in upward rotation, but the shoulder kept abducting and it would create that pinch between the subacromial portion, the subacromial space that the supraspinatus went through, and that would pinch and eventually lead to damage. Uh, all right, so these are the things you look for in the assessment. So if you do like an overhead squat assessment, 
you're going to look and see do the arms fall forward. That's going to give you some information as to whether or not you have range of motion at your shoulder. Now, is that coming from shoulder or scapula? Well, we don't know, and there's going to be further assessments. But to be honest, if you can't pinpoint which one it's from, it's okay to say, let's look at both. Because to be honest, because the lats attach to the inferior angle of the scapula and the lats get tight, they can also inhibit, they can also impede scapular upward rotation. So what if the elbows bend? I want to see it do the arms fall forward. I want to see if the elbows bend. Why? Because if I take my arms overhead and my elbows bend, usually that's not whether or not I can straighten my elbows. It's whether or not I can straighten my elbows and still have my hands over my head. So people bend their elbows to try to get the arms up. And that's as high as you get your arm up. If you straighten your elbow out, you're making this very wide Y shape. Also, you want to look and see in that overhead squat assessment or any kind of overhead movement as you're doing an evaluation for the ability for the shoulders to go through their full range of motion. Can I go into an overhead position? You want to see if the shoulder blades elevate. Are they shrugging to make it happen? And then finally, and I think probably the most important thing, because I'll get this question a lot, um, is, is there any pain or is there any pinching? And sometimes people ask the question, they say, Rick, uh, I'd have them do an overhead squat assessment, but when they raise their arms overhead, it pinches. So what do I do? That, my friends, is the answer to the assessment. It's not whether the arms fall forward for this particular person. It's not whether or not the elbows bend. It's not whether or not the shoulder blades elevate. It's whether or not they feel pain. That's the assessment. That's what you write down. Just like you would say arms fall forward, just like you would say the elbows bend, all of those things, you're going to say this creates pain or there is a pinching in the shoulder. So immediately you stop, stop the exercise, stop that assessment. You don't have to repeat the assessment right now. What you do is you write down the answer to that assessment, which is the arms overhead create pain. Now you can still do a squat assessment without the arms going overhead, but when there's pain, the assessment comes to an end. That is the answer to your assessment. All right, now that we got to talk about, since we talked about upward rotation, we have to talk about the opposite of that, which is downward rotation. And downward rotation has muscles that do it too. Downward rotating muscle is just like, there are three for upward rotation. We're going to say three primary for downward rotation as well. There's the levator scapulae. There is the pec minor. And there are the rhomboids. Why do I say there is <clears throat> levator, there is pec, and there are rhomboids? Because the rhomboids are two muscles. There's a rhomboid major and a rhomboid minor. Uh, they look almost like the same muscle, but there is uh, a differentiation in the space between them. There is a line, a clear-cut delineation, where you get the, um, the, the, the fascial wrapping around the muscle and then separately the other set of muscle is wrapped in fascia so though they are similar and almost the same muscle they are bound by two different fascial binds all right now i think when it comes to downward rotation that most people are probably stuck in downward rotation and if you're stuck in downward rotation it's going to make it very very difficult to do the opposite of that so if you're stuck in downward rotation Upward rotation is going to be limited, and you may want to do 
some SMR, some self-myofascial rolling on the downward rotators. Again, what are those downward rotators? The levator scapula, the rhomboids, and the pec minor. Well, after I do that, I do a little um, self-myofascial rolling. I do some ischemic pressure, do some massage on some of these tight muscles. Then what? Well, if you follow the NASM corrective exercise model or the corrective exercise continuum, you are then going to do some isolated activations for the upward rotators. And I would say mainly the serratus anterior and lower traps, not so much the upper traps. I don't think the upper traps need as much work. In fact, the upper traps, if they can't do upward rotation, they'll say, ah, forget it. We'll just elevate. Now, the lower traps cannot do that. The lower traps can do upward rotation or depression. And so the, the, the muscle that we want to work or the direction we want to work and to get that muscle to work in a certain way would be lower trap pulling downward on the medial border of the scapula, creating upward rotation. And what happens is that the serratus anterior on the anterior side of that, so it's between the rib cage and the scapula, it's stuck in between them, and it attaches to the medial border of the scapula, and it can help protract and upward rotate the scapula. I know, I don't want to get into the weeds too much here, but this is important. So what do we do? We could do isolated activations for the upward rotators. What might those be? I like the wall angels. I like sliding my arm, keeping my head, my upper back, my buttocks, even doing a posterior tilt so my lower back touches the wall and just sliding my arms up and down the wall. It's a great way to do it. You may see people putting their uh, a foam roller on the wall and putting their forearms on the foam roller and sliding up and down. I like that one because that one adds protraction. It is creating protraction, which is going to help to shorten the serratus anterior while doing upward rotation. And that may also alleviate some of the pinching that takes place there as well. So that's a good exercise as an isolated activator. So what you do is you do your self-myofascial rolling to release the downward rotators, levator scapula, rhomboids, pec minor. You can stretch those if you want to, but they're harder to stretch. Those muscles are a little bit harder to stretch. So the foam rolling is going to be important. The isolated activations for serratus anterior and lower traps, very important. And then doing some global movements, practice pressing overhead, practice doing your scaptions, scaption and add protraction into your scaption. Do protracted scaptions. And that can help. Practice overhead movements, those presses and the scaptions, and see if the movement gets better. If so, maybe add some light weights to it and repeat again. Because it's not about doing anything heavy yet. It's about repeating quality movements multiple times. Why multiple times? Because you want to increase the staying power of that movement pattern. How do you do that? You repeat it. You repeat, 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 repeat. Do it again. And as you do it over and over again, the nervous system starts to imprint that, starts to encode that, starts to say, okay, this, this is how we're moving. And if it feels better, the nervous system's probably going to be like, yeah, this is pretty good. Let's, let's keep this up. Doesn't mean you won't have to repeat the corrective exercise strategies. Hopefully and eventually, you can take those corrective exercise strategies out because you don't need them. 
What's the great thing about corrective exercise is once you've corrected something, then you may not have to do that again. And that would be delightful. All right, y'all. Thanks for listening. Like, subscribe, share with your fitness friends and family. If you got questions for me, you can reach out to me. Hit me up on Instagram or threads at dr.rickritchie, or you can email me rick.ritchie at nasm.org. Thanks for listening. Y'all keep inspiring people to fitness. This has been the NASM CPT Podcast.